This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. This coming Thursday, the 8th of September, is UN Literacy Day, which aims to ensure every child learn to read and write. Mrs. Alison Scott is the Executive Principal of Bella Vista School, and she joins me now to talk about the challenges that educators face when teaching their children to read. Mrs. Scott, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. It's a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, Literacy is one of the most important things we can teach our children. Um, Scott, is it more difficult or what are the challenges that they face when they are doing so in a foreign language? Right. So if you think um, our school years in terms of literacy, we're starting to think about written text, reading and writing, uh, perhaps visual literacy. I mean, there's loads of literacies. Um, But that young child who's been at home has been uh, speaking and interacting mostly on an oral and listening level with the family and the community that they um, immersed in or um, situated in. So that little learner comes Uh, with all of their prior learning experience, the vocabulary they've gained, the relevance um, already established in a home language. There's their vocabulary, there's their conceptual development. And when we bring them into school systems and, and things become more institutionalized, you're not learning at your mother's knee, Um, There are a few affective, so um, emotional or motivating behavioral um, components that begin to impact literacy. Um, And then there are a few challenges as you have to um, adapt, perhaps, to learning in another language. I think it's really important to, to be clear that learning in any language and as many languages as possible for long, young children is useful um, and encouraged. And young children are very capable of a high level of multilingualism. It's not uh, about choice of language. It's just the reality they face in becoming institutionalized in their learning. So they've been at home, they're benefiting from their home language, and they're using that mother tongue. Now they go and they face something called a curriculum and a formal learning experience. And think of that little child, the developmental child age five, six, they face a new physical environment, now in another language. Um, everything named differently. The classroom is new, just as a human being, your classroom, your classmates are new. Uh, The sense of authority in your world is a complete stranger and she's speaking perhaps a different language. Um, There's a structured way of learning. You're not exploring, it might not be as hands-on that you might have had at home or whoever might have been guiding your your daily um, enrichment. Um, learning suddenly becomes very structured. At certain times, we're going to learn to read. Literacy suddenly becomes contained to um, a timetable and to very specific materials and very specific output expectations, which on a, a motivating behavior side is all new for this little child. So when there's an abrupt change of the language of interaction, you can you can imagine it's quite complicated for this little human being. And just that um, makes it difficult to navigate the new environment and perhaps to bridge the learning um, of what they had at home uh, now to this, this thing called school uh, where everything is um, so foreign. And we know research is clear, it's, it's unequivocal, it doesn't seem to move or shift as matter where you're taking the study. Um, if the child learns to read in their home language, 
there's better progress. They are on a better footing than if they are at that tender age introduced to a new language. Um, and and there's, there's many, many ways of looking at why so. Um, everybody from tertiary maths expertise is exploring um, why would that be so? Why why can you manage when you're older if you're immersed or you don't manage is it the same experience? But we know it's so, um, that that research is clear. And it may be if they're in their home language, think of that experience of that child who's now in a foreign structured environment. Um, if they're in their own language, they may be more available from the outset to engage in this learning process because now you're just taking words and language I know and you, you're giving me a different activity to express them. They're contained in this book. Um, there's a story to follow. There's something I'm going to learn to write that I might be able to share my thoughts. Um, so that's on its own could be an aspect. If the child's not facing a language they don't know in the classroom and, and tasks that are foreign to them, if it's their language, um, they simply will be more interactive. And we know learning is interactive. You're going to learn faster and better if you're participating. So home language would help you there. If I know the language of instruction, I'm immediately better equipped to make suggestions, um, to ask a pertinent question, to probe understanding, um, instead of just asking what's the word for that or could you show me what that word means, you're actually beginning on the higher order aspect um, from that young age. So they feel more confident. And then I think critically, um, a cultural identity by being surrounded and learning and doing this really big step called school in my language gives me a sense of belonging to I, I, I have a cultural identity i'm not immersed in the identity of another language um, and all of that is a positive impact on how a child sees that school is relevant to them i really enjoy listening to what you have to say because you've given both the positives and the negatives and and i like the fact that you started off by saying having lots of languages is actually a benefit rather than a a, a negative um, Ms. Scott, but yet um, a bit of a step provides children who are struggling to read with all the support. How does one help children in government schools who may have difficulties but may not have the option of the extra help? How does one help those children? So now I'm, we're firmly convinced that actually the way to get the children the help is to equip the teacher so as quickly as possible and as widely as possible to be promoting evidence-based teaching practice not new resources new programs all the time but how do you mediate learning and specifically here how do you mediate literacy to all learners so we're not um, going to have a luxury and a reality of classrooms uh, where teachers are all feeling competent to deal with literacy difficulty or especially if it's presenting um, in another language. We're not um, going to have the luxury of small classes and um, Bellevist is fortunate with the ratio of four to one. So they, they're not going to easily have a resource like that. Um, the schools are big as much as it's aspirational to say let's have children learn to read in their own language. Uh, practically that means classrooms, it means more teachers if you're really going to uh, deliver on the promise. So upskilling 
teachers. And I think we, we need to do that first by creating communities of teachers where there's, there's less divide between this is a specialist school or this is an independent school or this is a school of a particular um, faith community. More integration uh, with teachers across that, more learning that could happen between them. Um, and then I think we need to see real uh, advocacy for teachers in the system who are upskilling themselves. Uh, Benevist is very proud to be involved with the Institute of um, Specialist Practitioners in Inclusive Education. And the purpose of that institute is to say, hey, this teacher has spent 20 years um, mastering her literacy inputs, is a specialist uh, perhaps in dyslexia, or is able to mediate uh, learning to read Braille um, in a mainstream context. So ratifying that experience, advocating for it, uh, raising the profile of these phenomenal men and women who are trying to make a difference and are often sounded out because it's considered that literacy difficulties for very few when worldwide, when we look at statistics, actually literacy difficulties becoming quite across the board. There are very few children who are uh, taking on reading with the competency that we might have seen 20, 30 years ago. So teacher-centered, I think that's the uh, that's the way to get it there. So we at Bella Vista, we have Bella Vista Share. Um, we do lots of uh, uh, consultations, direct consultations with schools to help them improve outcomes. We train on specific programs. We um, do deep dive work in terms of numeracy and literacy development for teachers with full 18 months or two years. That's really your champion in the system. Um, and working uh, really positively with uh, Department of Education in Gauteng and also in Mpumalanga at the moment, where that's exciting. You know, you, when you meet people doing amazing work in hard situations, it's, it's easy to give and to encourage them and to equip them with everything you know and um, to do. And Scott, you mentioned um, that literacy competency is not as good. Can all children learn to read and write and if they don't that's part one part two is if they don't learn it when they're six or seven can they still continue learning it or if you don't get that foundation are you lost to the system right <laughs> that's a lovely question for a for a three-day workshop there Cherise. i believe we believe at bella vista all children can learn to read there are different barriers to reading the window of reading opportunity varies um, between the age of three and nine. Uh, children may start to learn to read. So if you just consider that, um, that parameter, uh, there are many children thrown into a school system age six and seven, there, and that individual's window is coming at eight or nine. Um, even 10 sometimes. So I, we don't believe that you, there's failure to read. I think all children can learn to read. All adults can learn to read. It's never too late to learn to read. What can be tricky is learning to spell. <laughs> so the, the, the statistics in that are not as optimistic as learning to read. But decode text, access text, um, at different levels, for different rates, for different people, um, it's, it's possible. We firmly believe it's possible. Um, and in terms of parental role models, where we know that 
many of um, parents may themselves not be able to read and not be able to help their little ones with those skills. What do you recommend? It's so important that the parents or caring adults, the key adults in a child's life, is interested in literature and interested in reading. And I think this is a, a significant problem in a country where for generations, communities have been denied opportunity to learn to read. So how do they learn to read with their children? The first step I think is important for any school is involve the parent regardless of their level of literacy we need to be sensitive to that but we need to involve them we can um, introduce some practices for example uh, if the home is print poor or parents are illiterate that they simply create a special time where this child at school can read or can show them the book without um, that adult feeling threatened so there's value placed um, on learning to read. We also want to see that as an extension of reading, because reading is really about accessing information um, or accessing somebody else's thoughts, is that if there's reading that the child's busy with, let the parents talk about it and take that topic further, explore it uh, further. In terms of literate homes, I think one of the big travesties we're seeing at seeing is that reading is is not modeled by parents um, very overtly. Parents are reading less, they're mostly reading um, for purposes of employment, what they might be busy with that, lots of digital scrolling, etc. But that um, honored time of taking a book and exploring a book has been kind of pressured um, out. And we know that children who see adults model and value reading will pursue reading much more intensively in a more positive output. It's sad that we've lost community libraries um, because I think those created points of access for um, print poor homes where people are not um, buying books. Um, but we, we need to get behind and support where there are organizations and where there are local municipalities trying to preserve libraries, donate our books there, get um, get that going because there's a place a parent who can't read themselves can actually take their child to learn to explore um, stories. And then let's not forget what technology brings us now on a simple smartphone. I mean, I know I've spoken here before about our, our work with Feed the Monster, early grade reading, free, quick download, uh, 11 in all 11 languages, go back to the home language and literacy question. It's there, it's available, and adults can use it too without feeling exposed or ashamed because they can't read. It's gamified, they can read that. There are many organizations in South Africa and in Southern Africa putting books on, um, on devices, on free platforms, in all different languages, and parents could listen then with their child. That's also a way of exploring literacy if, if you can't access um, the reading yourself. So that reading to enjoying reading, honoring text, being excited about it, um, spending time with your child with it, that's the role of the parent. And no teacher is going to fill that role. We're, there's no teacher going to do better than a parent um, in placing value on reading. If I can conclude, just on two positive observations that I've made. Um, the first one is the amount of books that are being written aimed at South African children specifically, dealing with issues of 
how my hair looks different or my skin color may look different or even my gender may be gender different from all the others that have been written into books aimed specifically at the South African market, which I think is so refreshing. And the second positive comment is the amount of people that are reaching out even on Facebook and just within my own community are people coming and saying, please, we're starting a, a, our own library. We're starting a book club, be it as far as, you know, kind of Fadi Chweni, Northwest province, or a request I got on Facebook from somebody in Alex, in that the communities are really looking to bring that in, the, the, acknowledging the importance of it. And yes. it's becoming grassroots. We're no longer relying on public libraries. We're relying on our communities. And yes. uh, more and more people are certainly stepping up to the plate and seeing the value in it. So yes. um, just thought I'd share that. And people being willing to illustrate books, um, to translate books, to use their print factories to make low books at low cost. Um, I think there's a wonderful impetus as we as we bring our talent, if you if we literate in, in our language or languages, um, and that's what a beautiful way to give back and, and to give to the future nation, the gift of, of literacy and moreover access uh, to text and to stories and books. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, um, Scott, thank you so much for joining me and um, thank you for highlighting the issues. And also thank you for kind of giving us such a holistic perspective where it isn't all doom and gloom and that opportunities are there. I really appreciate that. It's a great pleasure and thank you for having me. That was Miss Alison Scott, the Executive Principal of Bella Vista School.